Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp Movie. Special thanks for this podcast goes out to Commissioner Maggie, uh, who went to support.baldmove.com, clicked on the big old Commission of Podcast link, and followed through. Uh, she selected for us to watch the 2014 action thriller. It kind of defies genres, honestly. The Guest. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's currently streaming on Netflix, and it's kind of a really good October Halloween movie. Um, it's directed by Adam Wingard, who directed the indie film Your Next and a few others, uh, and has done some uh, studio work since then, including Death Note and the m- most recent Godzilla vs. King Kong. It's written by Simon Barrett, a frequent uh, writing collaborator with Adam. They uh, worked together on Your Next. He also wrote A Horrible Way to Die in the VHS series. It stars Dan Stevens, who you might remember as Cousin Matthew on Downton Abbey. He's also Legion from Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monroe, who we last got in touch with a while back, a couple years ago, with the indie horror film It Follows, which we quite enjoyed. Uh, she's really good in this, I thought, too. Leland Orser, uh, who I think the, the, the credit that sticks out in my mind is in, uh, he's in Seven. He's the man who involuntarily uh killed the prostitute let's say with the apparatus <laughs> okay. hmm. yeah. uh he's credited as crazed man in massage parlor so <laughs> uh sheila kelly who uh older gen xers might remember being on la lost uh or not la law la law she's also in lost and on sopranos and er uh character actress brendan mayer uh a young kid who also has been on netflix's oa and the great Lance Reddick, Lieutenant Daniels on the Wire, Commander Zavala in the video game Destiny. Okay. And whether we wanted it or not, we've stepped into a war with Dan Stevens as the guest. So let's get to picking this movie apart scene by scene. Um, Jim, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I, I want to say anybody who thinks they might want to watch this movie after we talk about it, uh, watch the movie first because... I went into this movie with certain preconceptions uh, based solely on the title of this film, The Guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very, very surprised at what I actually got. So that said, if you want to watch it, go watch it. If if you've seen it or don't care to watch it, just want to hear us talk about it, stick around. My My thoughts on it were it was really good. It was a very bizarre mix up like mashup of genres that i never expected would go together at all there's a lot of like (laughs) a slasher movie but also like government secret agent science experiment stuff and like and also just like the beginning of this makes you think it's going to be a certain type of thing um Mm -hmm. with like maybe he's supernatural right that's that's kind of what i thought the guest sounds very mm. much like the others or some some kind of mm. horror movie where he comes in and he's the devil right mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. he's there drinking his tabasco uh <laughs> filled yes. tabasco fireball glass I, yeah uh-huh. it sounds terrible yeah. uh he, he's slurping that up and we're thinking okay this is the devil he, he's the devil he's a de- devil or a demon or something here to like exact vengeance on the people who've harmed i don't know uh, or exact vengeance on good people. I don't know, but that turned out to be nothing like what this movie is. And That's I was a wild pleasantly surprised. Of yeah, because I, I had I had preconceptions too. I uh, you know I, I googled the guest and because uh, you know I was part of the commissioning pro- uh, process is I kind of give uh, uh, a rating like a pre rating. If I haven't seen something, I kind of look and see it's Rotten Tomatoes. I see who's in it, and I'm like. Here's the the risk level, you know, because mm-hmm. you're, you're laying down a chunk of, of money to get this. And I'm like, here's here's your risk analysis. You know, either, you know, it's either Jim and I have both seen this. And we love it and we're itching to talk about it. This is going to be a 10 out of 10 or like neither one of us has seen it. Uh, it's a David Lynch film. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, like this is going to be a shaky <laughs> sell or something, you know, or it's, it's stuff like that. And I saw this and I'm like, oh, it's, it's very highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. I like Dan Stevens. Uh you know, the the it looked like an action oriented thing and uh, the log line was something about a U.S. A special forces soldier. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be kind of like a low budget uh, Dan Stevens born identity. Um, And it is. Yeah. But it's like, what if born identity except for born is evil? <laughs> uh, sure. um, and it's 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 I, 
it's actually a really genius idea. There's a lot of stuff. There's like, um, but, but it's not that serious. There's like, it's also what mm-hmm. if roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, except for evil. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, and, and I, I got to thinking like, man, there's, it seems like there's this whole genre of like, what if Superman, but evil, what if like <laughs> we, maybe we could keep doing this. Like what if James Bond, but evil, like I what mean, if shit, Batman, but evil, that almost writes itself. <laughs> what if like, the ice cream man, but evil, right? <laughs> I mean, they've done that. <laughs> yeah. Everything sure. has an yeah, evil Sam, variant. Yeah. But I, I guess, but I've never seen like this kind of thing, you know, yeah, like, me uh, um, usually it's, you know, when you've got a, an ex soldier, special forces guy, they're the protagonist. I mean, this is Jack Reacher. Like I was, you know, um, and, and like I said, they're, they're definitely leaning in all of that stuff. But like you said, it's just such a fun mashup of, of genres and styles mm-hmm. and, um, to the extent that I kept on wondering, man, I would like to see a version of this movie that's kind of done straight up because there's a lot of the suspense stuff that that really works. There's like some Cape Fear elements of, you know, the audience kind of knows something creepy is going on, but the unwitting victims have no idea what's in store for them. And there's that tension, mm-hmm. you know, kind of Hitchcockian, but it's also Hitchlockian because there's just <laughs> a lot of tongue in cheek, uh, nakedly funny deliveries like Lance Riddick is simultaneously a badass in this film and Mm -hmm. comic relief which I thought was a delight so to me the comic relief is the way he holds his weapon but I I don't know the man uh, has too much arm right he's got too much everything he's a very very lanky like he is I I don't know he almost looks like a a horror villain himself with just like the slender man or something right (laughs) Reddick man. Yeah, the Reddick man. And, and the way he's running at you in body armor. The, him walking down a hallway with a gun and trying to sweep corridors and stuff. He's got too much arm. He has to hold it kind of yeah. like back toward his body yeah. in a weird way. It's hilarious. It's flex, flex Armstrong. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, but, but I, like I said, when he showed up, I felt like the movie kicked up in uh, a whole other gear. Um, it's just, um, the thing is, is uh, it's, it's interesting because I thought there had to be a connection to it follows because these films, if you've seen it follows these films look almost identical. They're very slick. They're not like low budget in like a TV kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they're technically very well done, but there's just a certain kind of like look digital kind of look to it and the lighting um, and the colors and stuff. They're kind of like all that slick of a piece. And it also kind of like it follows. Um, weaves the line between something that's very effective at what it's doing and also something that's kind of maybe half baked or, or not exactly fully realized. Um, yeah, I think, that's what I, I think ca- it follows as a better movie, but th- this is certainly a stranger mashup uh, that somehow works. It's also fun. Like I, I, I laughed mm-hmm. out loud at a lot of parts and I was, um, in, thoroughly entertained like the, every time the movie wanted me to be entertained at the level it did I almost always was like oh okay well we're gonna go in here and have petty revenge in this bar and uh, even though I know what's up with the movie and I shouldn't be rooting for it uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun and also I thought the action was really well done um, and the finale the, 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 the movie's climax like that set and setting was just really, really well done. Some really, um, you know, they're working their way through. I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've already, by talking about how mashed up it is, you're already going to kind of know what you're in for. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, I guess, I guess I want to stop there until we can get to the, the spoiler section. Um, before I continue, I I thought maybe we would uh, let Maggie take the floor Uh and consider her comments. Uh, she says, may I make a recommendation if you haven't watched a trailer for the movie yet? Don't. This is one of those movies that I think is more enjoyable. The less you know about it going in mm-hmm. uh, the process or the I'm sorry, the soundtrack is great. It's got a few blackly hilarious moments. The filmmaking is top notch for such a B movie. At times, it reminded me of early James Cameron and John Carpenter. Uh, try not to oversell it unsuccessfully it seems <laughs> there is some really subversive subtext about war violence and collateral damage in the way Americans implicitly condone uh, these things when it suits their best interests, but it's not a message movie. It's pulpy, dumb yeah. fun. My face hurt from how hard I was grinning the first time I watched it. This is the second role I ever saw Dan Stevenson after Downton Abbey. And I was amazed at his tr- transformation and how damn this dude can really act. 
Yeah, he has had my goodwill ever since, and I'm always glad to see him show up on the screen. Uh, Maka Monroe is also great. I loved her, and it follows uh, the same year. She had a busy year that year. I'm actually kind of surprised she didn't break out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I uh, like some of the stuff she's done since, but uh-huh. I sincerely hope you guys enjoy the guests. That being said, I want to hear your honest opinions about it. I love that because this is a person that's just secure with this movie, you know, like, yeah, I, I think she could see if we hated it. Why? Because there I I don't think this is a movie that would maybe get universal acclaim and praise, although it's I, doing real well on Rotten Tomatoes. It sure is. But, uh, yeah. Critics seem to love it. Yeah, but no, I uh, I was kind of like the the first little bit of going. I'm like, gosh, I wish this movie would pick a lane because, you know, that's one of my biggest things is like tonal clashes. But then I started becoming aware that most of it was intentional. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. If, again, I would really like to see this movie straight up. Um, but uh, and like, so I, I want to l- let me describe what this movie is about. Uh, if we haven't done it enough already. And then people that want to see it again, this is streaming on Netflix. If you're a subscriber. Um, it looks great. My copy streaming copy looks great. Uh, this is about a, uh, uh, a soldier that comes to a family's home. Who's lost their son to war. And he says, I was your best friend, uh, your son's best friend. And we went through training and we went to through to war together. And I promised him that I would come home with a message of love for each of you. Uh, and they, of course, invite him in and they're very interested in him. And he seems like, you know, just everything you'd expect. He's very physically fit. He's handsome. He's resourceful, uh, fairly intelligent, charming. Um, and, uh, he's going to stay with the family a couple days and get to know them. That's the setup. And that's all you really should know, <laughs> but going into the movie. So I want to open it up with just like, <sighs> the conflict between what this movie is and what I think this movie could be. Okay. Just, I mean, it might be a strange way to start, but it's a thing I'm, I'm burning to talk about. Um, what if this movie, instead of hitting us with the insane psycho music five minutes into it, like every single mm-hmm. time Dan Stevens is done being charming, he just goes dead faced. And then they play, you know, the unhinged, crazy veteran music. Yeah. What if they just played this straight? Like he's there and he's helping out around the house and he's like giving the kids some confidence. And then like, you, you know, slow, like at the midpoint, you start getting those like unhinged things. And it's, it's actually, you know, a th- I, I, I don't know because this movie just completely is not interested in doing that. It's like, you, you know, mm. Dan Stevens evil, nobody <laughs> else does. And then the rest of the cast slowly gets aware of it, but it does. It, it bleeds a lot. There's no real attention in any of the scenes because of that. Yeah, no, I think um, Dan Stevens performance alone would have been enough to set off some alarm bells. Um, There's, there's something about uh, in his easygoing way that is also very tense. You know, there's something about the smile he's got doesn't match the eyes. Um, He's doing a hell of a performance in this. And it was funny because it, my wife was sitting next to me on the couch going, hmm, this guy's really good looking. I'm surprised he, I haven't seen him in anything. He must be a bad actor. And I'm like, <sighs> no, he's actually a really good actor. And this is way different than anything I've seen him in before. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he kind of blew me away in this movie because, yeah, even without the music, I was kind of on edge with this guy in the house in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, he's I mean, if you've seen all of Legion, you know that he has this gear where he can kind of do yeah. like he's a yeah. very good looking and charming guy. But he also has that thing, you know, kind of like Matt Damon, where he can just really be a dead eyed fuck or smile without it showing in his eyes. Yeah. Um. And and that stuff is is uh put put on full display here. Uh, and it's it's something very unsettling to see someone this. Mm-hmm conventionally good looking be this way. It's like seeing like Carrie Elwes from princess bride <laughs> be an evil person. Sure. You know, it's like you're made to be the protagonist and, and, and you're, you're doing this inst- instead. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is it's very creeping and settling, but, but to your point, like I know that, but I'm saying that you'd have to, he'd have to have a different kind of performance. He'd have to have a little, like, you know, he'd yeah. have to like blend in a little bit better and be more genuinely warm and charming. And that reptilian stuff starts, uh, you know, manifesting when the noose starts, you know, Oh, I definitely, uh, I would have around them. Yeah. I would have felt more like the family for sure. Um, if without the musical cues and him yeah. just staring out the window into the, the yeah. rising sun or whatever for 
five minutes uh-huh. like oh i don't sleep much and then he just stares and stares without that stuff yeah i would definitely be more like the family like should i trust this guy i mean he's a friend of the of their son yeah it would have been a lot harder of a decision than just like hitting us with i, I don't even know the sound effect you've heard it before i'm sure um because it's a very specific sound that they use to indicate oh yeah he's a lunatic might be one of those like I, I like those big gongs. I guess there's a certain way to play those with like sponges and like erasers and things that gives that kind of like bending metal fatigue, like some like something yeah. inside him is snapping mm-hmm. uh, like the Titanic going down only more musical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess in summary, I would like to see a mid budget version of this where they take the premise seriously. Like uh, what if a, an unhinged special forces guy who's highly trained and is on the run for something decides to use your family for deep cover mm-hmm. um, and just play it out. Like it's kind of like a, you know, uh, it's somewhere between like Jason Bourne and uh, John Rambo showing up at that lady's doorstep at the beginning of first blood where it's like, you know, like it's, yeah, he's not, he's not uh, a malignant or malevolent presence. He's helping everybody. I, I think that would just be really fascinating. And he'd be some real tension mm-hmm. when once the, the family's in danger and they don't, they don't know it yet or the townspeople are in danger. So yeah, for sure. somebody might do that, but this is uh clearly uh, Adam Wingard, you know, he's a little kind of a tongue in cheek guy himself. I don't think he would want to make that movie like something that serious. Mm-hmm. And there is quite a bit of black humor. Uh, and just some, some straight up hilarious stuff. Um, to go with the really slick action and stuff. Uh, while we're on the subject of some of the actors in this movie, uh, Micah, is that how you say her name? Uh, Micah Monroe. I guess my, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, so you mentioned she was in it follows just after this, um, same year, in fact. And I, I, I can hardly tell her from Amber Heard half the time. They, they look Mm. so damn similar. Uh, I mostly like what she's doing here, although the movie kind of undermines her a little bit because I felt throughout this entire thing um, like she was one of the smartest characters because the parents mm-hmm. are just idiots uh, half mm-hmm. the time. Um, yeah. Dan Stevens might be like the second smartest character in this movie, but she was the one that I was sort of like identifying with. And the the movie wants me to simultaneously think that she's 16 and 21 and i i had a hard time like with the disparity between the way her parents and her family like the way she interacted with her family and the way she and her actual age in the movie as stated because her parents are yeah. like we don't want you dating anyone or like well not really she said like don't tell my parents i have a boyfriend yeah. And I was thinking, well, you're 20, you're almost 21. It would be weird for you not to have a boyfriend at this point. Why is they that seem, a thing? Her family seems very, I mean, I think they maybe could have made like, uh, given them a little bit more religious to make, to make it make sense. But yeah, they're, her family is very controlling. Like the very. fact that she sold, said she broke up with her boyfriend to keep her from knowing, but she's four months away from being legally allowed to drink and her dad still won't let her have a beer in the house. Yeah, that's um, insane. Like to the extent that there was a party situation uh, mm-hmm. that goes on later, and I'm like, God damn! I guess Dan seems going to dick down a 15 year old. But then right. I remembered, oh right, she's actually 20 something. So that's what it this felt like to me. It quote, was like quote okay, it's not at least illegal. Exactly. No the 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 movie wanted the movie needed her to be two ages. It needed her to be 16 so her parents could be this controlling of her life, and it also needed her to be 21 so that when Dan Stevens and her hook up. It's not going to be weird. Now that never happens, right? Uh, like, yeah. At some point, the chances of that happening drop off a fucking cliff uh, to but zero. I, it, but the, but the it, way yeah, it was weird. It, the way you're saying it feels like uh, like a logic leap the movie's making. But I kind of think it's intentional that like this yeah. woman is being infantilized by her family, but mm-hmm. they're the ones who are very immature and can't see what's actually going on. Right. But, but you don't allows... find that out until much later in the movie. And so the, the entire first half of this movie, I'm watching it going, this woman is 21 years. This woman is 21 mm-hmm. years old and her parents are telling her she can't mm-hmm. have a beer and she can't date. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what? And then, you know, it's, 40, it's painting a picture, you know? 40 minutes later, it's like, okay, well I guess, yeah, they're controlling. I just can't believe she's, she's still living in that house. Frankly. 
Ugh. Well, I mean, you know, this economy. Uh, she's uh, she's really good though because you hit something yeah. on the head that she's very good at being like a teen horror girl, mm-hmm. but she's very usually when you see a blonde haired, blue eyed, they're kind of like ditzy and they're vulnerable. But she's always kind of like the sharpest one. She's the yeah. most on the bounce. Uh, she's the most resourceful, and she continues to be this in, in this movie. Honestly, uh, other than not double tapping the guy when she got the chance, or like just you're shooting him in the back, you just unload, just just fucking mag dump that thing. Why his back's turned to you? The only real con- uh, criticism I have of her. Um, I do wonder if they're but, playing uh, with that idea in in the fact that like her parents are all concerned that she can't identify a decent guy, right? And she's like dating this quote unquote drug dealer behind their back. He seems pretty harmless though, in the overall scope of things, right? Like there's never, there's never anything he does that makes me think he's a bad guy, period. Um, he smokes weed. That's, that doesn't make him a bad guy in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And, and then simultaneously, she's the only one who identifies that this psychopath or well, not psychopath. This g- genetically modified—I don't know what he is. Uh, medical procedures were done to him to make him yeah. some kind of super soldier, brainwashed uh, killer. She's the only one mm-hmm. who identifies that this guy might be bad. So, like, it, the movie does a pretty good job of telling us, like, she is the one on the ball here, and everybody else has their heads up their asses. Yeah, I uh, I did some background research about uh, you know Wingard's. Uh, because I guess the first version of this movie, um, you know, was like a half hour too long or a half hour longer. And like it, you know, test audiences are kind of restless and didn't test well. So they cut it down and then they test audiences. I guess they cut out a lot of the Lance Riddick stuff. So it's like essentially he just shows up at the end, you know, to like the the, the, the and the family has no idea what's going on until that. Ha- and people are like, where the fuck did this guy come from? So they they put back the five minutes where there's like in the middle of the film uh um make a makes a phone call to try to do the research and that triggers his old unit to go in action and and you're at least kind of like oh this is this is some you know this is the first clue this is some Jason Bourne shit yes uh and i feel like this movie is now the perfect length there is not an mm-hmm. ounce of flab on it um they also i guess there was a bunch of explanation about the true nature of his like exactly what they did to him and what his missions were and all that kind of stuff i think less is more with that man like i like the fact that you know that uh, he's some kind of government project uh he's some kind of super soldier you know the how and why and what is like you know why would lance reddick explain that to civilians he's just there to recover the asset or put it down i I thought the hidden you know what he is and his skill set and his abilities being a little bit mysterious was great so i i think they they just happened to hit the perfect link for this movie I, I would have liked to see it either a line or two longer or a line or two shorter because the one mm. thing that I have questions about is Dan Stevens, uh, D- David in this movie, he set, he makes some claims, right? The claims he's making throughout the movie, I don't know if they're actually true um, about being in the unit under the same, like, it, it, I know he's in the unit, with their son, right? Um, yeah, because Where, we see or the picture. You? Or, but but did he get his face changed? There's no way. This is not face off. Like I, that's that's Isn't lunacy. It? That's lunacy. Because I actually have I actually have in my notes that uh, they did they they mixed a little bit of face off and he there. would I look, said he would look little... like John Travolta if he did that. No, he, he can't. <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 you, how do you say that? He's talking about having his face changed by this guy that he knows. And it's like, it's, he's done it once. He could do it twice. I don't know. So I thought it was the fingerprints is the thing that the kid hit on that were like, oh, okay. Because they talk about the gun, the murder weapon of the drug dealer's friend or whatever, the gun guy. Uh, the weapon didn't have any prints on it. And I, yeah. I thought maybe he got his prints taken off, but you probably don't need a plastic surgeon for that. You could probably do that yourself with a cigarette lighter and. Yeah, bad. I don't know. That's some crazy shit. Yeah, but, I, I don't uh, know how to do that. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put the face off theory <laughs> past this movie. Okay, well that's that's kind of my point, right? Like I don't know what he says. Uh, I can't tell what he says uh, that's true and what he says it's false. And so I wish I knew more about. Mm-hmm. I guess the the kid that died or the the man that died that their son. 
because mm-hmm. I want to know if they were in the same medical experiment program or if I felt because like he makes two competing claims here. He says I was in special uh, some kind of special unit. And he mm. also says I was in your son's unit. And that right there yeah. to me is a red flag that says something here is bullshit. Well, it could be because like a lot of times, you know, you don't like usually join Delta Force or join the Navy SEALs. You enlist in the U.S. Navy and you enlist in the U.S. Army. And then when these, mm-hmm. op- you know, you distinguish yourself. And then when those openings come up, you 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 try out for it. Right. So, like, I guess, like, he, he could go through basic and serve in his son's unit and then volunteer for the super secret Delta Force on steroids program. And then so both of those things could be true. But I Maybe. will say I that, didn't get like, the impression that it was a thing very far in the past. Their son's death. I, I thought their son's death. Yeah, was oh, very yeah, I got recent. Right. But he could have, like, died and then Dan Stevens left the unit years ago. You know, like I'm saying, like yeah, they could have only been maybe. together for six months and he's using his supercomputer to kind of figure out where he goes to assume an identity. Um, but I I guess what I'm saying is by the end of the movie, I'd come to the conclusion that her and uh, that, that Dan Stevens and her brother were in the same program. That uh, was the one that made the most sense. Although I don't I don't think it's necessary, but yeah, and it's not expressly said in the movie either. We talked about how good Dan Stevens is in this film, and he is, but I think the plot really helps because the movie efficiently sets up this family to where everyone has kind of got this big, giant insecurity about them, and he's able to go in there and essentially get in their good graces by plugging each one of their insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know, first he does it, like, emotionally and psychologically, uh, then he does it physically. Like, he goes and beats up the kid's bullies he goes yeah uh after you know he 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 kills the guy that's in that's that's competing for the dad uh uh for the top spot you know he's i i thought that that's it's they did a really good job of showing i felt like these were realistic parents you know like i the, the only thing that didn't make sense is kind of like oh remember we were talking about um uh what was that uh uh movie about the young the underage rolling stones journalist uh, almost famous Almost famous, right? Remember I said that, like, man, this this family feels like a Jehovah's Witness family, mm-hmm. but it's not a Jehovah's Witness family. And you find out that it wasn't it like a Jehovah's Witness family. And they just changed the details. Yeah, to, the guy to, it's based on. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I feel like this is another one of those family. Like, this is an ultra whatever conservative religious family, but they just excised that for whatever reason and left the oppression and the weirdness and the isolation and the controlling um yeah but like even even minus the the impact you just got a clear picture that that's what these these family this family is they they are overbearing they don't let their children they they treat their 20 year old child the way you would treat a 10 year old child that's probably why their you know 16 year old is so unsure of himself and 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 uh a mess and, and lacks confidence um and I, I think that all that with Dan uh, Stevens performance makes the movie just work like he really fits fits into this role like a hand in glove. Yeah, that scene at the bar is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, just the setup for it, because, you know, something bad is going to happen here, right? You know, he's going to go in there and he's going to wreck shop. But the way it happens is so much and better than tension. I could have expected. Yeah, the because he just sits down. You're like you're expecting him to just walk in and beat the shit out of these guys, right? But right. instead, he sits down at a table. He orders mm-hmm. a, a beer, and then he orders drinks for the guy's girlfriends, which are blowjob shots. Which yeah, okay, that sends a message. And then the bartender's uh-huh. like, "You sure you like? It's not nice to not also get something for the guys." He's like, "Fine, get them Cosmos." <laughs> And like, oh god this is glorious it keeps on ramping up and everything yep. kind of works out too like he's drinking this tabasco fireball whiskey combo yeah not just to kind of like show how bad he ass he is and put mm-hmm. hair on the kid's chest but also i think he's got this kind of like did you ever see the jack reacher films the tom uh-huh. cruise sure okay like in the kind of the same way that like he's very calculated in how he provokes people like he knew that this guy's going to probably throw a drink in us and he would have the napalm version of the drink to throw back in that yeah. guy's face. It's a weapon, right? And He's got a weapon sitting on the table in drink form. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get and, and the movie just takes its time. Like there's this, this whole like very deliberate back and forth play and it doesn't, and, and mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. 
And then even when he throws a drink in his face, you just like, there's like 10 seconds where you just watch that drink, like waterfall over Dan Stevens' face. Uh-huh. And then it, yeah, then, then it fucking happens. And, and then he the just, fight like scenes said, are, are very kinetic. I like the way they filmed very these. Very good. There's, there's yes. like a, you know, you've seen them do in the movies before, like fast motion uh, shots. Like when somebody throws a punch, they speed the punch up and then they slow it down mm-hmm. on impact. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. does that, but also in like a sort of handheld way that I, it, it's hard to describe exactly what's going on here. I'd have to like slow mo this thing and watch it. But I, I really felt like the impacts. I felt the speed and I felt the the strength of that character in that moment. Yeah, it puts a real snap like in the when yeah. it connects like it, it's like just, it always like snaps people's heads back and moves them. There's something I think you said that you hit the nail on the head kinetic to it. Um, that's an excellent scene. Um, I really liked the ending scene. Um, yeah. That felt like the, the final shootout feels like it, it's like stuck somewhere between like way of the gun and okay. commando. Yeah. Oh, you know, boy. like it, it's it's like got this like kind of tight, gritty realism to it, but also just insanity as well. Because they go to this high school and there's like they go to this high school and it's, uh, you know, like like some high schools do. They convert their gym into a haunted house. Now, I've never seen a school with this kind of fucking budget. Like this is a legit good. Yeah, this is just legit haunted house. Mm -hmm. But like there's and, you know, Lance Reddick is 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 stalking him through this. And that's where the big laughs are, because like, uh, you know, the stuff jump scares him and he's like, God damn it, Jesus Christ, what the hell? And then the guys, you know, the one, the teacher aides is there and he's like, you know, how do I get out of here? And the guy gives him like the Konami code. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right. And yeah, like Lance's face when he gets that. But the final sequence where Dan Stevens is you know, slit the teacher's throat and it's just him and Lance. And mm-hmm. there's this this like everything's blood red. And you see these pictures of like Dan Stevens bloody hand emerging from itself because of the different. You know, holding the knife and from from the different convergent angles of the, uh, the funhouse mirrors yeah. and, you know, Lance Riddick's panic face kind of splitting into and all that kind of stuff. It it's really good. And the soundtrack, that synth shit, that's just like yeah. pumping through the whole time. I thought that was a great scene too. Heard lots of great action drive in its soundtrack a little bit. And there's a bit of that in there. Yeah, there is like, yeah, like uh, the, the hyper violence uh, enacted mm-hmm. by people, the flawless haircuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he actually <laughs> gets uh, Lance Reddick the same way he gets uh, the Brian Cranston gets killed and drive right. <laughs> Just takes well, takes his knife yeah, right up sure. his arm. I guess he did. I guess he did do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the man. There's a lot of like really kind of. That's where the I guess John Carpenter slasher fillet comes in because there's a lot of like gruesome knife kills in this. You know, the yeah. mom. Uh, Lance Riddick, um, and just a, a, a seemingly unkillable monster, kind of stalking you through a maze is very slashery. Like, yeah, some some along the way, this this movie took two turns. I thought it was going to be supernatural at the beginning. The government got involved. I'm like, oh shit, okay, this is some weird government super mm-hmm. soldier thing, and we're going to see the Jason mm-hmm. Bourne stuff. We do, but then it takes a third turn into slasher film at the very end, and I'm thinking boy this is a weird beautiful mess of a movie <laughs> we talked a little bit about some of the things that are a little humorous like the there's uh, there's definitely some humorous anticipation when this guy walks into the, the, the bar because you know he's going to beat up these bullies you just don't know how and it's kind of funny the way he it just keeps escalating but there's some stuff that i thought was just you know hilarious um like for ex- example the brother you know, he's he knows that his sister's suspicious of this guy, but he likes this guy a lot because he's really helped him in his life. And mm-hmm. he's done some research and you you see him like, you know, there's like all these pieces. But he he lays <laughs> he lays out his theory of the case, which is essentially the plot of the movie. Like, oh, you, you're trying to hide out because you're on the run from somebody and you change your identity and you're looking for plastic surgeon to alter your face and change your fingerprints and and all that stuff. And it's like almost kind of Rick and Morty, you know, the way like sometimes they just on the nose describe the plot and that's kind of the joke. Uh, yeah. I thought that was, was really, really funny. Um, did you have any, cause we could go back and forth. I got like two or three that I thought were pretty, pretty good knee slappers. I guess 
Moriarty High School is a real thing. I, I was surprised when I saw the name of this, but then I was extra huh. surprised when I saw the name. And surely this can't be real. But when I saw the name of their their team, their mascot, I guess, it says Home of the Pintos. Is your mascot really a bean? Like, I want to see the costume. I want to see the, the mascot <laughs> run out onto the, the court during a basketball game, <laughs> start dancing around as a pinto bean. Is there like cheer, just a fart that the loud, yeah, everyone just breaks wind at the same time? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Ba-da-da-bum-ba-dum. <laughs> Bronx cheer. It was wild. Uh, th- there's a couple. Okay, so like the sec, the um, one of those kids bullies. There's like three instances of bullies. One time he just gets beat up. He doesn't do anything about it. One time uh, he gets beat up and Dan Stevens there and they wreck shop. The next time Dan Stevens not there and he decides to find the strength and then to punch this guy. And the guy just turns around and punches him back and he turns around and he's like, that's right, bitches. Like the way this guy (laughs) did the the, the bully did the line reading of that was Uh hilarious. I thought like, I don't know what I expected, but like this guy's got a voice like King Candy. Like I just laid this fucker out. (laughs) It's just really funny. A similar Um, hilarious moment for me is at the very end when uh they've they've done the slasher stuff and you know she's put down the villain and he's laying on the ground or the kid comes up behind him right and stabs him in the back because she's choking out her his sister he runs up stabs him in the back and okay he's done and then he rolls over and he looks at the kid he just gives him (laughs) a thumbs up it's the terminator yeah yeah it was awesome terminator yeah, I like it. Don't worry, buddy. You did the right thing. Thumb, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> right. uh, the other thing I thought was hilarious is this kid's in detention. Um, and she's her sister. His sister's trying to call and like say like, hey, you know, I've got I've blown this wide open. There's serial killer special forces guy after us. We got to run. And he, the kids like goes to look at his phone and the teacher just snatches out of his hands. Like I what I say, no. No, no phones in detention. Like, I thought uh-huh. that was just funny that like all of the adults are getting every like, like fucking up everything in this movie and putting these kids in danger. It was yeah, and uh, it's a nice way to, it, you know, to up the tension. Right. Because like if she calls him and tells him it's like, OK, well, the jig's up. He can get out of there. But then they do that a couple of times. They do things that I think are going to annoy me or like destroy the movie in a weird way. And then they subvert those. And I, I think like one of the worst things I see in horror movies is when or any movie really is when the villain, uh, you know, is finally cornered and the good guy mm-hmm. has him in front of a gun and they could take him out and put him down and stop this all right now. But instead, they stand there and they talk about why, you know, the why I got to kill you and like all this stuff. And the villain eventually gets one over on him and kills him. Mm-hmm. Um. They start to do that in this movie and then they immediately just stop it, right? Like she has, she comes up behind him with a gun. She should have shot him there, eh? But then he turns yeah. around. Rap, 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 rap. Yeah. Yeah. She, he turns around and she doesn't waste too much time just blasting him. He starts to open his mouth mm-hmm. and she's like, bam. But then she only hits him in the shoulder and. And there's fog. There's like know. a foot and a half of fog on the ground, which was a cool. Yeah. Environmental I, I pictured touch. him just like serpentining away on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> in this like yeah. six inch high fog commando crawling um yeah. you especially trained for it uh i will say that about that final scene they used every part of that that's it's like the native american used every part of the buffalo they used every part of that haunted house like yeah. every element you could possibly do the jump scares the angle the weird angles the dead ends the mirrors the Oh, the cemetery. Did did you see that that shot where they finally get him? You know, they stabbed him in his heart or lung or whatever, and he's laying on the ground. He's laying in Uh a cemetery next to a tombstone that says, in loving memory, (laughs) R.I.P. Which I thought was hilarious. Oh, my God. That is funny. That is funny. Yeah. Um, And also, like, there's so many tropes, like, you know, like, uh, as the the main climax fight at the villain, there's a fire breaks out. So that automatically, like, you see that in a lot of movies because that automatically puts a clock. Yes. on the scene you know mm-hmm. like you can't fuck around anymore because the whole place is going to go up around you um it's it, just yeah like these guys have seen a lot of movies and they know what works and they were throwing everything up there that would stick and and that fire also um calls back to how he killed all those people in the military hospital right um because i guess mm-hmm. there was an oxygen fire that he must have started that, that right. killed everyone there 
Um, so you're thinking, right. oh God, they're going to do this again, right? Yeah. But then, uh, so the, the ending is crazy. He he comes out to be maybe more than a super soldier. May, maybe something... I, I don't know. I don't want to say supernatural, but definitely like universal soldier, maybe. Yeah, something like that, because he gets stabbed. He gets shot. He gets really fucked up. And then he apparently is able to take out a firefighter, swap their clothes with his and walk out. Which yeah, that's the implication is not, is not he's still out there. Yeah, it's not something I haven't seen before, but it was surprising in this movie. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a couple of movies that there's a couple of things where I felt like if this movie had stayed in a little bit more in a lane, uh, it would have been more effective. Because, like, what are you going to do? Make a sequel? If, if you're going to make a sequel, if you had Dan Stevens, like, signed up to do a fun sequel, then fine. But otherwise, just let him die. Yeah. Uh, and if you need him to come back from a sequel, you can still do that. You don't have to. I, I don't know. It's weird. It, it works for a movie like It Follows because I think they did a similar thing with It It Follows where it's like it's kind of like implication is a still out there. But that's you're right. Like this isn't a supernatural. Yeah. Thriller. This is a special forces guy. So he should be able to be killed at some point. Mm-hmm. I thought that was weird, too. Why does he take uh, their teeth? A, is he is he going to the plastic surgeon like straight off the bat? Just here. Give me. Give me new well, face. Well, I think he knocked teeth. out the guy. He he essentially knocked out the fireman's teeth because he's going to pass that body, that badly burnt body, as his own. Like they can't match his, they won't be able to match okay. his uh, dental records. So. That makes and sense. And also, yeah, maybe he gets his fireman's teeth <laughs> surgically implanted in. <laughs> so you know, he's going to go to full Monty. Full, it's going to be face fingers. That's fake. Because oh, there's even a line in that where it's like, no, I don't want ortho. Just a face and fingers. Oh, is so, like, nice. I guess the dentist was all well, willing to like modify his teeth to, to fit too. Hmm. All right. There's a, speaking of confusing things. Um, why does Dan Stevens head on their dad collision? Because I, I thought at that part of the movie, he needed a new car mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, he's going to flag the dad down and the dad's going to be confused enough that he can just like pam, bam, blam, 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 and then take the car and be on his way. But instead, he buckles the seatbelt and just head-ons it. Just completely totals the other, both of the cars. So yeah. I thought that was very weird. I mean, I guess his thing is like the, the the his kill switch had tripped, and now he's like trying to kill everyone that knows his secrets because mm-hmm. that's what he was trained to do. Maybe that just overrode his. But like, you could do both things, man. I don't think his da- the dad of you'd have been like wave, waved him down. And he would at least pulled up and like been confused and like, what's I've heard, blah, what's going on? You, so you plug him and then you got his yeah. car. I thought that was that was a weird choice to make. It definitely was, especially before I know that he is like really a super soldier, like very, very hard to kill, even in even from just like a human body standpoint. But that was a hell of an impact. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I'm like that is a hugely risky way to take this guy out. And I know they did a thing about putting on your seatbelt earlier, but come on. Uh, I had one other thing that I wanted to mention. It's nothing big, but if there is such a thing as an early title card, this movie has one. It it hits you with the guest like it, it gives you some footage, right? But then it hits you with the guest like two seconds into it. It's very strange. And it's very it's very Halloweeny. You know, I, I guess that's it's it's yeah. also, you know, it's got showing some John Carpenter roots that like mm-hmm. there's a conspic you know, there's conspicuous it's set in during Halloween. There's like jack-o'-lanterns yeah. everywhere. Uh there's the haunted house. Like I this is if you are too pussy to watch something like the the um uh, the, the conjuring mm-hmm. or th- some you know, something like that. Something that's like a really scary fucking or like something that's too bloody like a slasher flick or something like that. This is kind of a nice in between. If, if you like trick or treating mm-hmm. and Halloween, but you hate horror films, this is actually a pretty fun movie to watch because, you know, it's it's violent, but it's no more violent than your average James Bond movie. Uh, at least I don't think so. And, you know, it's 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 suspenseful, but it, it's not scary, not scary at all. No. And it's just loaded, loaded with Halloween like flavor. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like eating a bowl of candy corn. The final thing is, is, is a perfect spooky touch is uh, Micah uh, wears these like really cool tights. This is the last thing I want to talk about. 
She's got these really cool tights that make her legs look like skeleton bones, like oh, they're hosiery. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, these stockings, and I'm like, huh. And there's the you get those kind of like like cool kind of costume details, and you know the 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 house is all decorated like Halloween. It's it's a fun it's a fun ha- Halloween film in the same way that kind of like Die Hard is a Christmas film. This is a Halloween movie. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she was supposed to be like a goth or if her room and her wardrobe just reflected the season. I felt like it was a seasonal choice. Like she's just like, okay. into, you know, because it seems like her family's way into Halloween, you know, like we medium decorate our house, but we're more of a Christmas family. But this family is like, yeah, they're I mean, they're this Tim whole town goes all out. I mean, look true. at the school, right? The Halloween is Very their true. holiday. <laughs> They've claimed yeah. it. Uh, I, I like the juxtaposition also of her everyday attire and her work uniform. It's just like 50s diner type dude dress when when they were in the car and her she's talking back and forth her brother and sister uh-huh. i actually thought it might have been a continuity error right because like they're showing her from the neck up and then they do a wide angle at the window and she's wearing like i don't know dorothy's costume from the wizard mm-hmm. of oz and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> in fact it was that her uniform or was she actually doing like a hot no that no, was that's her uniform because her, her friend, friend there too wearing it yeah 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 they got like some kind of, you know, southern blue checkered tablecloth dress thing going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was actually surprised, you know, this is so Halloweeny. I was kind of surprised that he didn't dress up like a mannequin wearing a mask in that Halloween, you know, because like there's oh, a couple times right. where Lance Riddick's going through and you see these like, you know, dudes that are just posed up in the corner like statues and they're wearing different scary costumes. I was surprised like. It would have been actually kind of sweet if they had done a, a, a Mike Myers esque, mm-hmm. like he's a, he's he's wearing a blue jumpsuit and some kind of blank mask, and he comes or a hockey something to kind of like wink at the slasher roots. But ah, they had a lot of restraint. They did not do that. It might have also fallen in line with the face changing stuff, right? Hmm. Yeah. Put a, yeah, a mask yeah. On they really want to symbolize it. That he, because yeah, like my Gonzo theory was that he's already changed his face once to match with the kid, and then. But I don't know, like how they how had a picture of him, goddamn so I, I don't think it could be. Yeah, he had to steal his face. It's like you know, I don't like how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I don't so, know. Man. Probably right. There's probably a lot more simpler expl- explanations. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Really, like I said, it, I. I can't believe this film only cost five million dollars, to be honest. There's so much yeah. action and stunt work and even stunt driving like uh, it's 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 kind of incredible. Didn't make very much money. Uh, in fact, it lost money and only made like two and a half million <laughs> worldwide. So it'll make it back with a Netflix streaming. Bald yeah, move probably. Put, a, put them on. Put a bald move and Maggie going to put them put them on the map. Yeah. Uh, box office want, is not the, the end of the, the budget uh, or the, you know, the money train. One last thing I wanted to talk about is this concept because uh, both of these directors, Adam or not the direct directors, uh, the director, Adam Wingard and the writer, Simon Barrett, they're both considered to be leading members of a, this this filmmaking movement called Mumblecore. OK, uh, have you are, have you heard about this Mumblecore stuff? Not really. No. So this is and there's also a, a subgenre of Mumblegore. Which I think this film was would would kind of like this and and uh, it follows is kind of in 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 that space, but uh, I'm gonna read from the Wikipedia. Mumblecore is a subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, low budget film production, an emphasis on dialogue over plot, and a focus on the personal relationships of people in their twenties and thirties. <laughs> Am I crazy, or is hmm. this just an indie film with young people? Like, Sounds like it. Like, what the fuck is the I don't understand the I mean, maybe the improvisation. If there's a lot of like uh, people ad libbing and things, maybe there's a difference between this. But like this just seems like indie filmmaking, young, like indie filmmaking about young people. Low budget. Yeah. The only part of that description that sounds to me like it could be classified as a genre is the the acting style, the naturalistic acting and the emphasis on dialogue over plot that those two things maybe you could start to call a genre a talk a focus on people in their 20s and 30s 
I don't, I don't that's know. Almost, I feel like so that's much 90% of, that's inter- of movies. culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Um, yeah, it's aimed 18 to 35 year olds. Have you heard, ever heard of this demographic? <laughs> and, then, and then it being low budget doesn't make it a genre. That doesn't make it a genre at all. Yeah, I feel like it's a little, I don't know. It's a little bit of a, it's one thing if you want to group filmmakers together as some kind of class, like they were doing with like, uh, you know, Coppola and Lucas and uh, Spielberg yeah. and, and, and guys like that, the, the, the new wave. Uh, but like, you know, like, I don't know if, you, if this is this is a genre that that was maybe I need to do some more. I noticed that like Lena Dunham is mm-hmm. uh, part of, you know, grouped in as part of it. Um, uh, Jay Duplass. Uh, there's a couple of but but like again, I'm, I'm not really getting uh, a cohesive thing because I also thought, like, well, if it's this is a genre, then you could like do some fun subversions. Like I'm like, well, what if you did like uh you know, fifties and sixty, fifty and sixty year olds. You know, you could like senior core or, okay. or boomer core or something. But like yeah. that, I feel like any one of the things is thing you change, and it's not even a genre anymore. You know, like yeah, uh, I don't know. It's weird. weird. I, I'm no I film scholar, hearing, so yeah, I kept on hearing this come up. Like I, I first noticed when uh, I was watching Red Letter Media's uh, King Kong versus Godzilla review that the J fellow was talking about these guys being ex ex mumblecore. With that influence, I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I finally decided to look mm-hmm. it up, and I still am a little shaky on it. But uh, I'm not shaky on my opinion about this film. This was fun. I'm glad you made us watch us watch it, Maggie. Excellent commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. Well, finally, if this seems like a fun idea to have us watch, uh, you know, not necessarily the best movie, but maybe your favorite movie or uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, a unique take that you think we might enjoy. or You'd like to hear us uh, what we have to think about it. All you got to do is go to support.baldmove.com, select the commission of podcast uh, button. There's some explanation. There's some facts there about the process. Uh, You plunk your money down and uh, we'll put you on the list and we'll make you a podcast. It's that easy. Uh, Thanks again, Maggie. Appreciate your generous support. And we'll see you back on the next Pulp movie or TV show. Probably have to wait long. We're just got Pulp coming out of our ears. Mm -hmm. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.